Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. My name is Rebecca. And we are two members of the JLU podcast team who enjoy analyzing the DC films from Warner Brothers Studios. Other contributors to this episode are Alessandro, Sydney, and Nick. You can find us individually on Twitter, and you can follow the show at JLU Podcast. In this episode, we are continuing forward in Justice League. We are looking at scene 18, which is Diana's meeting with Victor on the darkened sidewalks. Um, so overall, this is a scene where we get to see some interaction between Diana and Vic, and we get the you know basis of an actual real character connection between these two. In terms of the movie overall, it also gives us a chance to contrast Diana's recruitment style with Bruce's recruitment style. Um, so far, <laughs> we've seen Bruce kind of striking out with Arthur Curry, and then Bruce not really having to do anything uh, to get Barry Allen on the team other than to find him and show up. Yeah. Um, but Diana here actually has to show some skill and some interpersonal skills to uh, to be able to make some make a connection with Vic. Yeah, she has to impress him a little bit, I think, uh, because he he's sort of feeling her out, trying to figure out what he can he can get out of her in terms of information about Bruce Wayne and about her and what what they know about him and why they want to talk to him. So uh, I think she really has to earn his trust in this scene. I don't know if she fully does it by the time the scene is over, but she does it enough that he's willing to meet her face to face and uh, willing to talk to her. So I, I do like that part of this scene that Diana has to use her skills, her interpersonal skills as Diana, not necessarily as Wonder Woman. Right. She's having to do this as Diana. So I think that's a really cool uh, way to show her talents aside from just, you know, hitting things and uh, mm -hmm. using her lasso. She's using her brain and using her uh, her emotional connection <laughs> with Victor, yet yeah, her intelligence yeah. to uh, to make a connection with him. Yeah, I mean, I really like this. Uh, I like the whole dynamic between Vic and Diana um, because she uses that empathy and that human connection that is really like one of her strong suits and that they really developed well in the Wonder Woman movie. And here it comes into play again. And like you said, Diana is doing this as Diana. And I also think it's nice that she is finding her connection to Victor Stone, the human She's not talking to him about like, oh, your powers are going to be really useful or, you know, your ability to hack into information. We're really going to need that on the team. We're going to need somebody, who, you know, to be the computer guy or, you know, you're from the mother box. So you might have a connection or some insight into this thing that we're facing. She doesn't make any of the appeals towards his powers as cyborg. She makes the appeals to Victor Stone and what he's dealing with as a human. Like, hey, you maybe are feeling isolated. You maybe feel like you're shutting other people out because of what you've been through. And I can actually connect with you on that. I can empathize with that. And I can give you, I can hold a hand out to, you know, make that connection and that we can link up and have a relationship and you can be part of this team. And I think that was totally the right call because really what Vic needed was he needed to hear somebody kind of connect with and validate his human side. Um, I think if she had tried to talk to him or if Bruce had tried to talk to him about his technical capabilities as cyborg and how effective those will be in the battle i think he would have lost him i don't think that would have worked at all so she took like just the right approach with just like what he needed to hear and it's not like it worked immediately but i think that what she did was she put that connection forward she showed that empathy and then she knows that that's going to pay off later like he's going to think about it he's going to realize okay i can help out and also i have somebody here that i might be able to be friends with that's so huge for Victor Stone in this scene because Diana asks, are you Victor Stone? And he replies, I was. 
Right. So he doesn't see himself as that human anymore. He His mental state at this point is my old self, my Victor Stone's part of me is dead, is gone. I'm never getting him back. I'm this mm-hmm. this mechanical monster now is kind of how he sees himself, that he's hiding himself with his clothing and um, he's avoiding people. He turns off the lights yeah. when uh, he meets her in the streets to kind of hide who he is and shield himself and he hides in shadows and things like that. So he feels ashamed of who he is and so he doesn't think of himself as human anymore. He doesn't think of himself as Victor Stone anymore. Mm-hmm. And that really is a, a big deal for him. And I, I think you're right that Bruce probably would have been more, we need you to do this and this and this and this and not really care about his his loss of not loss of his life but the life that he once knew Mm -hmm. and i think diana having seen that footage and being affected by that in terms of what he went through to become cyborg and what he lost when he lost part of his human side i i think that probably affected her enough that she she realized that's the best way to go so i think you're right that there are two different styles between bruce and diana in terms of how they recruited uh, members of the team Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's really good and it's it's well written, well acted, uh, and it it unfolds over several different scenes. Like we'll we'll kind of follow this through Diana and Vic their relationship in some of the future scenes as well. But this is this is really where it all starts from between them. Uh, I mean, they're chatting on the computer screen before, but I think it's really here face to face. Like even her saying "I want to see you face to face" is basically saying like I still recognize you as a person. Uh, and then he's saying, yeah, I was Victor Stone. But she's saying, like, no, I still see Victor Stone. I want to help. And then she kind of brings up this idea of working on it. It's something that you keep working on. It's not a simple answer. It's not a simple adjustment to your new situation. But it's something you can work on, and we can work on it together. But, um, yeah, so I, I think overall it's a good scene. Uh, let's go through some of the details of it. Uh, one thing that I didn't love about the scene is it starts with, a like, basically a glamour, like, advertisement shot of a car. And... I don't mind a little bit of product placement in a movie. I realize that's part of the business. But the thing was, we pretty recently, like two minutes ago, had a glamour shot of Bruce's car. Like a very <laughs> flagrant glamour shot. It was part of the humor of the scene of him being rich, but it was definitely this glamour shot of the vehicle. And now, very soon after, we get another glamour shot of this you know, very nice car pulling up. So... Uh, it's just something I notice, and it pulls me out of the movie just you know briefly. Well, in the uh, the vein of product placement, uh, I want to mention that Bruce drives a Mercedes Benz AMG Vision Gran Turismo, and Diana drives the E Class Cabriolet. I think is what it's okay. uh, pronounced like. So yeah, there was a big big push with Mercedes. They did a lot to promote the movie, and they had a lot of promotional aspects in there and there's actually also um there's a sign right behind where diana parks at mercedes that says qqa i think it's qqar and that was also a product placement that was uh used to make money off the movie a little bit the augmented reality technology that uh was done for fans of justice league and uh, you could interact that way. So yeah, this this whole scene was <laughs> it was meeting Victor Stone, but also uh, look at all of our product placement. Yeah, <laughs> they got to pay those bills. Yeah, I, I definitely don't mind some of it. Um, the other thing I noticed, speaking of like the what's around the environment and you know real products and businesses and stuff, I did notice when I tried to look down the road at what businesses are here because you know I'm assuming this is the streets of Gotham. Uh, that's what I took it as anyway just because of it started from 
I guess the back computer in the back cave and things. But wherever it is, down the street there's a bar that's called Bar, and then there's a hotel that the sign says Hotel, <laughs> and then there's like a parking a parking garage that's called Parking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's like just the most generic names of every business that you could have. You know, where in a real city, I think you would probably have a certain parking company or a certain hotel or a certain name for the bar. Yeah, that's uh, they're they're not branding themselves very well. They they're just a generic. <laughs> maybe it's like the location. alien bar on Supergirl. May, it's just maybe so. Alien um, bar with no name. They 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 need to have a name. Although there's been some debate uh, on Supergirl, just to mention it, that uh, there's a there's a bartender named Al, so people think it's Al's bar, but okay. we don't know that. It's never been con- it's never <laughs> been confirmed. So at least Al Al put his name on it, so you know it's it stands out as its own. Uh, but yeah, bar, hotel, and parking. That doesn't uh, help me know where to go. <laughs> Yeah. So um, she pulls into the street, though. She starts walking. Uh, she, we, she has the, the typical Diana kind of style and flair in terms of the clothing design. Uh, she always seems to be fashionable uh, and appropriately dressed for, like, the situation. But I don't know if you have further comments on, like, the, the wardrobe choice here. I wish she wasn't wearing tight leather pants, just in my personal opinion. Uh, she looks great, but uh, I, I don't know if I was going to... I don't know, meet someone for the first time. That might be what I wear, but Diana, you know, she uh, she can pull those kinds of things off. So uh, that it, even though it's not my personal preference, it's totally fine for Diana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was filmed maybe like from a certain angle that wasn't necessary, but I mean, she definitely pulls off the outfit where it's like, okay, I could see her actually wearing that for real. Um, and it is, you know, dark and night, so it's maybe, you know, fitting for uh, kind of, in the, in the cover of darkness and stuff, you can maybe have some more tightly fitting stuff um, because you're also getting the shadow and stuff for a little bit of privacy. So, yeah, she goes through and as she walks, there's some flickering and the lights kind of start to turn off as she's walking. And she looks around. And so that's a nice little connection to before when they would look at the footage of Cyborg and Alfred says like, oh, yeah, the footage always gets kind of flickery or whatever. And so now the lights are also kind of flickering off um, just to show the, the sort of interference between cyborg and other technological or electronic things in the area and then cyborg here soon is going to say that if you try to get footage of the parademons that the footage is usually corrupt like something you know something ruined the footage whenever they're in the area so the parademons seem to cause some problems for technology around it and then cyborg also is able to kind of do that with technology around himself and that shows that he is already aware of what's going on and he's uh He's doing his part to look into it. He might not be out there saving lives just yet, but he's uh, he's aware of what's going on. And I also think that him flickering the lights, I don't know if that's just uh, a response to his presence or if he's intentionally doing that. Because if he's mm-hmm. intentionally doing that with Diana, that, that almost seems uh, like a method of intimidation to me. Like, hey... Mm-hmm. Look how powerful I am. I can turn off all these lights. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. step back a little bit with me. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's him trying to show off or mm-hmm. show how powerful he is. But I wonder if he, if he did that to show her what he could do or if that was just a an effect of him being in the area. Hmm. Yeah, I, th- I hadn't really thought of that. But my guess would be it's at least partially controlled because, like, it's not like a black box surrounds him wherever he is there's other scenes where he's near lights and stuff and they're not always turning off 
so it could be that he controls it and that, yeah, he is deciding, like, I'm going to put us in the darkness so that we can meet. Maybe I'm kind of showing my power. Maybe I'm just trying to give us, like, cover so that nobody else will notice what we're talking about or what we're doing. It could also be that it's a developing power. Like, uh, it happens out of his control at first, but then later he can control it, you know, because he's always evolving like that. Yeah, yeah. So Diana's walking, you know, the the lights get dark, so we know that, okay, she's about to kind of have this this meeting. And then uh, Vic steps in. Uh, we actually, he says, you know, we're meeting face to face, but he actually steps in and we see just his back uh, and his, you know, hoodie sweatshirt on first. Uh, what are your thoughts about his arrival into the scene? That really bothers me. <laughs> it just really, honestly, bothers me so much. They made such a big deal about them meeting face to face. And then the only face we see in that shot is Diana's. And we and Victor has his back to the audience. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. And it's not even a close shot of her face even. No. Like it's pretty far back, like a you know, two shot from behind Vic. Yeah. Maybe this is the obvious choice, but I would have gone close-ups on both of their faces when they uh, interacted, or at least a, a, a two-shot of them facing each other. Mm-hmm. That would have made more sense, even if you didn't want to go uh, you know, dramatic close-ups you mm-hmm. could have them in a a, a, a two shot where they were facing each other that would have been a, a cool way to tie back into that but maybe i'm being too literal about that dialogue but it is a little weird that they make a big deal out of it being face to face and yeah that's not what we get in the uh shot i don't think there's a close-up reaction shot of diana into seeing cyborg either right because cyborg he has this thing on his face and he's sort of, um, you could say a monster or some people might interpret this as a monster. Uh, and so it is kind of a moment of, okay, he reveals himself and then we get a reaction shot close up of Diana to see, okay, how does she take in his face? Like, you know, is she very calm and serene? Does she smile? Is she sort of (laughs) freaked out for a second, but then gathers herself? Like, if a regular stranger was walking by and saw Cyborg, they would probably really react to it in some way. Um, but we don't, I don't think the way they edit it, I don't think we really, there's no emphasis on Diana's immediate reaction to seeing his face, which does seem like you could have had a, a small little moment of that. I, I would have preferred that personally. Um, but the whole shot to me is very strange because Victor just walks into the shot yeah, it's the, it's the weirdest thing to me. I guess I'm I guess I'm so used to, especially in Zack Snyder movies, where he makes a big deal out, out of introducing characters in scenes. Yeah, making sure that you see that they come in. They he treats it as a big deal, and here Victor just kind of lazily walks into the shot. I I find all of that very yeah. strange. From the side of a building, maybe yeah. Like we don't get a clear sense of where he came from either. He kind of, I guess he was on you know just the other side of the building on a corner and then steps in but yeah you're right like the sense of space and how it all worked is a little bit muddy there's there's no importance to him coming into the scene and i think that's that's strange given the fact that these two are meeting for the first time face to face Mm -hmm. Uh, so i would have expected a little more uh, emphasis on on him when he was entering the scene Yeah, so uh, let's go a little bit into what they talk about. So at first, they kind of talk about business. Um, Like, I think Vic says he's been tracking what they're looking for. And he says, you know, that the the video stuff is corrupted whenever the parademons are around. or That's what I took it as. And then Diana is kind of getting to business where she's saying, I want you to help save the world. Like, she's kind of just making a quick recruitment pitch of like, I want to work with you. And we have this threat that's going on. That's the first part. But then it will 
pretty quickly shift to the more personal connection that we were talking about before. But I do like it that Vic has been tracking and he has been digging into the information about the parademons and about what's going on. So I like it that even when he was on his own, he is trying to keep abreast to the threat. And so it seems like, okay, he probably is somewhat willing to help out if needed, but he's just not quite there yet. You know, he needs somebody to kind of reach out to him and help bring him into the fold. I also noticed the line where Diana's kind of inviting him to join the team, basically, and he says, I do fine alone. And that one, to me, is a line that connects to this main theme of the movie of isolation versus collaboration. And he's trying to say, yes, I've isolated myself. We've seen that very clearly in his scenes. He's isolated himself in more ways than one. But he's saying, I I do fine alone. Like, my isolation is okay. But as we'll learn, like, throughout the movie, it's really not. Like, it's actually going to be better if he does make some new friendships with Barry and connections with Diana and then helps as part of a team. Yeah, could you do that on your own? Sure. But is it better if you work with a team or work with other people who care about you? Yeah, that's going to be 100% better. Mm -hmm. So I definitely like that part of the scene. Uh, And then to get into the part about um, Diana making the connection to him. So she says, we need you, Victor, and maybe you need us. So it's, you know, this appeal on a personal level that they both need each other. She doesn't go into all the details of why they need him. She just says more in this emotional level, we need you and you need us and we can we can kind of work together in a way that will benefit both sides. Yeah, and I, I think we, we see that in this, um, even a little bit in this interaction that Diana shares about her past and Victor, obviously, like Diana knows about his past um, and Victor is now just kind of learning and hearing about what she's been through and how it connects a little bit to him. So I, I think it's, um, it is shown just uh, even a, a little bit in the scene that it is beneficial for both of them, that they can learn from each other, that they can um, care about each other and be there for each other. So I, I like that this is the start of that, and it, it does develop through the movie, but I think the, uh, the scene does a good job of at least uh, planting that seed. Mm-hmm. And then it also has a nice connection back to the Wonder Woman film because Diana opens up here about herself for a little bit. She says that she lost someone. She says that she shut herself off from the world and that now she's working on trying to like be connected again and having relationships again just with you know people and not closing herself off. And to me that rung true because to me that is resonant with BVS when she said, you know, this century of horrors and she had kind of gotten... Uh, disillusioned with mankind and had kind of like retreated from mankind, at least in a metaphorical sense. Uh, And it also resonated, I think, with Wonder Woman, where we saw her suffer a very great loss, a very emotional loss. We haven't seen the intervening hundred years exactly, but we have seen her have that loss, and we have seen her mention in BVS her kind of frustration and her isolation from mankind. Um, So to me... I I like how those both can connect to this scene. Now, you could get, like, nitpicky and talk about, like, well, what exactly does that mean for her to have been isolated for 100 years, and what does that look like, and all of that, but I'm not really worried about that yet until the Wonder Woman sequel comes out. For right now, I'm like, yep, I can see a connection to BVS, and I can see a connection to the Wonder Woman solo film, so I'm happy. That all feels very organic, the way that they use that to have Diana connect 
with Vic on that that level of trying to open herself back up again after being away for such a long time and having to figure out how to do that again. That feels very real to me that she would say that and that it would mean something to him because that's what's he, what he's going through now. So in some ways, I guess that makes Diana a little bit of a mentor for Vic in some regards. So I, I think that that all... That feels that feels right in terms of the writing and the story and what they've set up before and what they're doing in the movie now. So, uh, yeah, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the other main line that I had marked um, was the talking about Vic's new powers and stuff. I think uh, Diana says that they are gifts or they could be viewed as gifts. And then Vic's response is, if these are gifts, then why am I the one paying for them? Um, so Alessandro said that this feels like a more profound line, uh, like something akin to like you might have in BVS where, oh, this line seems like has a lot that you could unpack from it. And in terms of gifts, it's, you know, gifts are something that's willingly given and there isn't supposed to be payment. And, you know, so for him saying if they're gifts, then he's paying for it. That kind of goes against the spirit of what a gift is supposed to be. You know why that line works? is because it's not a mixed metaphor. <laughs> it it follows through with... Yes, the first part of the sentence matches with the second part. There's <laughs> gifts is carried through. That's why it has more meaning, is because it actually makes sense. Uh, so I, I actually really do like uh, being challenged to think about that in terms of Cyborg and of Victor Stone, because it's true. I'm, I don't consider it a gift if I'm paying for it. Maybe I buy something for myself, mm-hmm. but it's not a gift. It's, it's like not a burden too. Yeah. It's, it's something I just provided for myself. A gift is something that uh, someone gives to you. So it's, it's weird to think about uh, me giving myself a gift because I'm still paying for it. Yeah. So uh, there, there, is a, there is a point to that, that Victor doesn't have gifts maybe in the way Diana does, that she has these, you know, powers. And in terms of the bracelets, you know, those could, I guess, have been considered a gift because she would have been given those. But he, he is paying for this. Mm-hmm. He's lost... Uh, members of his family because of it. He has lost a lot lot of what makes him human. And so he is paying for this a great deal. Mm -hmm. So I think in in time, he'll see it as a gift. But here, when he's he's in his um, anguished state, I can totally see his his objection to that term being used for what he he's uh, uh, what has happened to him. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's like it it totally resonates with where he is right now in his mental state. And it does feel like a burden. It feels like this quote unquote gift has really ruined a lot of aspects of his life. And he has to worry about the dangers that might be now like wrapped up in himself. And he can't really control it. And it's changing all the time. And yeah, like you said, it's ruined his relationships and his plans for his future and that sort of thing. So he's he's really viewing it right now as this burden, as this thing that he's paying for. But from another point of view, you could see the positive sides of it. Like, wow, I can do a lot of good. I can do a lot of things with these powers that I have. And in that sense, I could I could just reframe it as a gift. I could choose to see it as a gift once this team kind of helps me take that new perspective. So, yeah, it's it's meaningful. It's a it's a very uh, coherent metaphor. You know, it's a nice marker for where his character can go by the end of the movie or where it could go in future movies, um, that sort of thing. So... Yeah, it's just a good line overall. And it's a nice thing specifically for Cyborg. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone else would have 
uh, been able to say that line, and it, and it means so much because when I think about Victor in his past, like you mentioned, he was a football star. He could have gone to college and maybe eventually gone to the NFL. He could have used his gifts that he got in playing football and sports uh, to uh, provide a great future for him. So I think there is something to be said, like you mentioned, about the perspective of how to frame it, because in playing football, that would have been easy for him to accept that, you know, my talents as a football player, that's a gift. That's, you know, that's something that I feel like maybe I've been given um, in order to to be as good as I am. So now he can see, you know, later on that, you know, I have these abilities just like playing football I can use these to harness 